everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Anthony, and this is Bottom Bracket Biking Podcast. A couple's guide to biking. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15. Today, we're going to be talking about a bunch of cold weather considerations. Looking at the high tomorrow, it's going to be what? Uh, 34, I believe. 32 for the high. It's not even going to get above freezing. And that makes a lot of mountain biking rather, oh, challenging, I would say. Yeah, and this is at least in part um, a bigger concern this year than it has been in other years, at least for us, because we, and by we, I technically mean Anthony, signed up for a thing in February. You want to tell us about it? Oh, God. Yeah, so there is a race called the 24 Hours of Old Pueblo in Tucson, Arizona, and the reason... I signed up for it as I had a friend call me up and say, hey, you want to do a 24-hour race? And I didn't think about it. And I said, yes, let's do it. And then I looked at where it was and how long of a drive it was and when it was. And still said, yes, I'll do it. Well, I already said yes. But we're going to be going out to Tucson to do a a relay 24-hour race on February, like, 14th. When's Valentine's Day? It's the 12th through the 14th is the full event. On Valentine's Day. And, Very uh, romantic. I don't know if you know what Iowa's like in February, but it's not exactly conducive to mountain biking. It's not conducive to mountain biking any time of the year, but especially in February. I hate February. I February, hate February is my February. least favorite month for everything. So this year we are looking at uh, training, or I am looking at training year round more so than I ever have. Yeah, and I'm currently signed up to be a volunteer there. Um But it's a five-person team, and there is a chance that one of the other people on the team might not be able to make it. And so that means that I'm the backup. So I'm trying to at least maintain base fitness through the winter so that I wouldn't completely die if I had to ride a couple of laps. It's a 17-mile lap, and it's you'll each do, what, three or four laps? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we're planning, three or four each. Yep. So... That's kind of the context of why we are a little more nervous about biking this year. (laughs) But we went out this morning and rode. Mm -hmm. And for context of the weather recently, it's been very rainy. And then after it was rainy, it's now very cold. So the trails have not really dried out as much as we would normally have dry trails. Yeah. um, A week ago, I think it snowed. And then we had two and a half days of rain, and then it's just been this horrible, vicious freeze-thaw thro- freeze cycle. So we rode this morning at 8 o'clock, and it was perfect, but by the time that we got back to the car at like 9.15, um, we were picking up mud, not leaving ruts yet, but definitely getting closer to that. So it's definitely one of those tricky times of you can't go out and ride when it's nice and sunny and warm. I, I imagine all the gravel riders listening to this just like, why would you even just go ride gravel? Well, we really like mountain biking, but we can't sometimes. And so this is for the the people who are wondering why the trails are closed so often this time of year. Yeah. Also, my gravel bike currently has trainer tires on it, and I don't really want to set up the gravel tires again because it's a huge pain in the butt. Jen, we have four mountain bikes. I think you can make I you. know. I could. <laughs> I just love my mountain bike, and I love it best on mountain bike trails. So this time of year, it we get rain, and then the trails stay wet for a long time. But because it freezes at night, you can actually ride them if you're careful. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is you end up, you go out. This happened to us this morning. Yep. 
you go out, you have the trails are fine, you can rip around corners, and then at 8.40, 40 minutes into your ride, everything starts getting a little greasy and loose. Yeah, you can actually kind of see it because you'll go through patches where it's sunny and the trail's like under direct sunlight and it's like, oh crap, I can no longer take this turn fast. Like I almost fell three or four times just because that itty bitty tiny top layer is completely greasy. And so you slide out there and then you kind of start noticing it gets softer in the shade and then it's just a downhill cycle and so yeah downhill we don't have any downhill cycles i know (laughs) i know but then what do you do you keep riding and tear up the trail no no we actually ended up going back to the car and that was the end of our ride for that day yeah we skipped the end section because it's always the wettest anyhow and there's we did not want to go in and tear it up just to make more work later the the facebook comments on these kind of trails this time of year they always seem like we just want to close the trails and be angry, but I think this time of year is just as hard on the people who maintain the trails. Oh, yeah. You know, because they want to ride them just as much as anyone else. Well, the section that we skipped is one where, how many hours did you put into lower roller last summer? I mean, probably 20 hours into getting like 400 feet of trail. <laughs> yeah. Workable. <laughs> yeah, and like... I know you really wanted to ride that section, and I think it's just, you know, the people that maintain the trails understand, yeah, sure, they can go ride it up now, but that's going to be a lot of their time later when they can't be riding. Well, and they are they, they come off as angry, but it's more just, please don't ruin what we've worked for. Well, it's protective. Yeah. You know, you that's your trail baby. You put a lot of work into it. And we talked about what happens when you ride muddy trails in the first episode. But yeah. To reiterate... You make a tiny rut, the rut filled with water. You make a bigger rut, the bigger rut filled with water. And eventually you have a, I mean, literally I had a four inch deep pond on one of the trails that I fixed. I spent probably eight hours fixing this 70 foot section of trail. Yeah. And then people ride around it and they make a rut there. And then it, it goes from this rut that's deep to this literally a pond on the trail. Yeah. It's insane what can happen. But that is all to say that. We need to figure out something else to do. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what do you think we're going to do, Jen? Well, I'm going to keep going out and riding when I can. You mentioned the high tomorrow is going to be 32, so that means the trails are going to be frozen and we can ride them. Although, tomorrow is a Monday, and by the time that I get off work, it's going to be dark as heck, which makes it a bit less fun. Which is perfect, because then the, the trails will have frozen again. Yes, absolutely, completely frozen. I think a big part of this time of year is just kind of embrace the suck. Like, I, I hate all of it. <laughs> None yeah. of it's fun. I actually find it really interesting. Like, I don't mind riding in the dark. I do not like doing it alone, especially knowing that we have some homeless people in the areas that we bike. But just your absolute hatred of dark and cold is actually kind of endearing because normally you're the one who's like, yeah, we're going to go do this and I'm going to be tough about it. And it gets dark and Anthony's like, no, thank you. I don't want to play. Well, and the overwhelming majority of my writing is by myself. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like I write, I try to write every day and I almost never ride with people. So yeah, that's why I hate the dark. Mm -hmm. It's not fun when you're riding along and you're like, boy, I hope that's the possum and not the boogeyman. (laughs) Yeah. Which happens quite frequently oh yeah deer eyes at night oh my goodness it looks like aliens invaded well and the problem is is that then you get the nocturnal animals that start coming out so you see a lot of possums i chased 
I mean, when we rode the other mm-hmm. day, I, I there was a raccoon that ran down the trail twice. Were, yeah, two raccoons. Yeah, twice it happened. You know how many raccoons I've seen this summer? Mm, one, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we about had to fight off a turkey, but that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. a whole other story. The turkey did not want to get off the trail. It was not nighttime. But. So, if you have friends, it's probably a lot easier, but I can't speak to that because I ride by myself so much. Yeah. Ride ride with friends. That's that's more of the story. Or, like today, we drug ourselves out of bed pretty early because we kind of looked at the forecast yesterday and figured out when the sun would be up and said, okay, we're going to get up early and go ride and we'll have our coffee afterwards instead of before. Do you know what time it is, Jen? What time is it? God, that's, oh, that is horrible. Guys, we got two bells We today. got two we bells finally remembered. for gear talk time. Today, I'm going to do something that I was told I should not do. We have a little bit different gear talk for you. Anthony will not shut up about this, so you get to hear it as well as me. Gear talk time has now become Tony's Tech Talk Corner. Anthony, what are we talking about today? Uh, ball bearings. And why are we talking about ball bearings? Because they're the best. And not just ball bearings, we're talking bushings, we're talking needle bearings, we're talking cup and cone. I mean, you name it, we got it around here, Jen. I was told I couldn't make a whole episode out of it, because then it would be just Anthony's bike talk, mm-hmm. tech talk. And I said I couldn't make a whole new podcast either, so <laughs> here we go. Which, guys, if you do want to hear more random things like this, Anthony loves figuring out the minute details. So, if you're interested, we can talk more about this, but if... You find this very boring. We don't want to bore you. Yeah, I think the gravel riding audience and the bike manufacturing audience are a little bit different. And we yeah. appeal to one and not so much the other so far. So anyhow, let's talk about bearings. Yeah. So why would I talk about bearings, Jen? Because you love bearings? Because I love mechanical stuff. I mean, I have an engineering degree and I, I'll do almost all the work on our bikes except for the stuff I can't do. Thank you, Kyle's Bikes. So, ball bearings are awesome. Why? Well, do you know how many bearings are on a bike? How many, Anthony? Where, where do you put bearings on a bike at? Bottom brackets. Bottom brackets. <gasps> it's like our name. Yeah. Where else do you put them? Front wheels. And? Rear wheels. Cassettes. The pedals. The head. You got bearings everywhere. Are they all the same bearings? No. You got needle bearings in the pedals. You got ball bearings in the wheels. You got ball bearings in the head. Now, why? How does this apply to people? Well, we had a friend who busted a cassette in half again, and that reminded me of something I, I, I saw about ball bearings, which is that if you spin them fast, they tend to last longer. And that's the same thing with cassettes. If you put a bunch of torque through them, you can rip them in half. And so I want to talk about ball bearings. Now, how can ball bearings fail, Jen? Well, if they get rusty and stuck. And have we ever had that happen? We have. Really? Uh, maybe not rusty and stuck. I remember one of the first things that you ever did, like, that I considered, like, bike surgery, was you had some bearings, I think water had gotten in, and you took it apart and re-greased them, and they were definitely rusting. Jen, you're so smart. I know. Um, the, <laughs> the CAD X that I had, that I did the spotted horse with, it had water intrusion in the rear hub. And actually, the balls got rusted, and they they grooved the 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 race. And the race is what the balls spin on. But you got the balls, the race, and the cage. And the cage is what holds the balls kind of in place. And what I had was rusty balls that imprinted on the race. Mm-hmm. And so what would happen is they, they would like there was a bunch of wiggle in them. You had that on your commuter bike too, right? It yeah, went- that's the one I was talking about. Oh, you said the one you did the spotted horse on. Yeah. 
I was talking about your found the parts on Facebook Marketplace $200 bike. No, that was a different failure. So the other thing they can do is what's called brunelling, which is where they make little indents in the, the, the race. Mm-hmm. So this one, because the balls were spinning on them, they created a circle that yes. was indented. But brunelling is where you hit it really hard and the balls make little ball-shaped indents on the bearing or on the race. And that was one where it was like it was in the steering component and so you could be going straight forward or you could be going like 15 degrees turned but not anywhere in between right yeah so the brunelling what happened was the balls would hit those little grooves and they get stuck in there and so whenever i wanted to turn the bike wouldn't turn and then it would pop out and it would turn too fast Mm -hmm. and it was impossible to ride with no handlebars oh my goodness well no this is important yeah because you're going down the road and you like, oh, just get up to text your friend or whatever, and your bike just tries to crash itself. It's not fun. Yes. In that case, the solution was to just let the balls be free in the race. So instead of being in the cage where they were held a certain distance apart, they just did their thing. So if one got stuck, the other ones mm-hmm. uh, didn't. And that was a fun issue I had to deal with. I've also smashed a bottom bracket before, uh, the Cobia. Mm-hmm. Remember we had to place replace the bearings on it? Yep. And that, I think, at the time, I thought it was because I took it to a downhill jump park and did Black Diamond Trails on a hardtail. And uh, Fun times. <laughs> also a 29er. I would not recommend that. And it could have slightly smashed the, the bearings a little bit. But looking into or looking into uh, ball bearings a little more, I think it's because I, didn't, I wasn't pedaling fast enough. And so mm. I was putting too much force on the bearings themselves. And I just burned through the bottom bracket. Yeah, I think we both had the same issue when we started riding about we just didn't keep our cadence up high enough. Yeah, and what can happen when you do that is you put a lot of force on the bearing. So skateboard bearings are rated for 200 pounds static, 700 pounds dynamic load. And so if you're moving fast, you're not going to be putting 700 pounds on those. Can I take a skateboard on the trails? You know what? Let's not get into that. What are mountain bike bearings rated for, Anthony? That's a very complicated question. <laughs> Skateboard bearings are found in pretty much everything. Okay. Uh, I mean, rollerblades and bikes. And fun fact, the rear wheel on your bike mm-hmm. has four bearings on it. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes. Oh, my God, guys. I could talk about this forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So since we don't have forever, Anthony, what should we take away about bearings? <laughs> All right. The takeaway about bearings is that... Don't get water in them, and if you do, you can kind of salvage them a little bit. Uh, Don't tighten your wheels too hard down, because if there's not a tiny bit of play in them, you can actually make more friction, and that's bad. Uh, Controversial Corner, which was going to be a whole segment on my new podcast, but whatever. Uh, Ceramic bearings aren't great. They're no better than just normal bearings with light oil on them. Shh, that's why professionals do that. And if you pedal faster, your bottom brackets will last longer. But don't pedal too fast because then your legs won't last long. So it's kind of a 90 RPM is what they recommend. There. Is that is that a good enough summary for you? Thank you for coming to our TED Talk on bearings. Would you like to hear about cup and cone bearings? I think we're good now. Oh, man. What's your gear talk about? You know what, Anthony? I think I'm just going to let you talk about bearings today. I can talk about bearings some more? Nope. I think we've covered our time. We're good here. All right. If you guys want to hear about rubber compounds and wheel material and carbon fiber versus aluminum, let me know. I will talk about that all day. He does. He really does. Please let me share it with you. So the fun thing about aluminum is that the cyclic loading on it isn't predictable like it is for steel, which is really interesting. 
Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> Is there a way to make the cold and dark enjoyable? I, I think you just have to kind of look at it as another challenge, you know? Like, I'm going to beat this. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? But how do you lose to the dark? You get murdered in the middle of the night? Yeah. Yeah, that's not all that fun. Yeah, if I lose a physical challenge, I just walk home, but I don't know. Have good lights and ride with friends. Yeah, let's know our last episode on lights if you ride by yourself. Ooh, ooh, and I really need to... My pepper spray is on my gravel bike, which is currently on my trainer, and it needs to be on my mountain bike. Yeah, I had that for a little while when I would commute up, up what, 15 miles? Yeah, leaving early, early in the morning. Yeah, when it was pitch black all throughout the year. That wasn't a lot of fun. But yeah, just different considerations. So if you don't want to ride in the dark, in the cold, or if it's 40 degree wind or 40 mile an hour winds like it was today and you're not feeling that life, what else do we do? Uh, bike trainer. Yes. And the trainer is a ton of fun, right? Oh, absolutely. It's the best thing ever. I don't know why I ever take my bike outside. Yeah, right. That's sarcasm, guys, if you can't tell. The good thing about a trainer is that it allows you to bike when it's rainy mm-hmm. or icing or both. Yeah, the other thing that I've kind of noticed about the trainer that at least helps get me through the winter is I never get on and I'm like, I'm going to do the best workout ever. It's like, I'm going to get on my bike and pedal for 15 minutes. And I almost always do at least half an hour, if not 45 minutes. Um, it's like once I'm on the bike, I have my shoes on, I'm already committed like I've put on clothes that I'm planning on getting sweaty and it's not that mental challenge of I'm gonna do a workout it's like I already did the hard part yeah I find that to be super great I mean I have my heart rate monitor and my shoes by the bike like I come down in shorts and a t-shirt I'm three quarters of the way there yeah we set up um our front room is a mix between Anthony's home office and our trainer room and we literally just leave it set up pretty much all winter long for that exact reason of if it's set up and ready to go, there's only so many excuses of why I shouldn't get on the trainer. And it's kind of fun biking for as long as we have. I, you know, in high school, I didn't have diddly for money, mm-hmm. working part-time at a restaurant. Uh, so my, my bike trainer was a, <clears throat> it was one that you couldn't, like you had to adjust manually. And I always had it on the hardest setting. And that was all I had. I didn't have this smart trainer crap. I didn't have a heart rate monitor for another seven years. So what I did was I I would set up in the basement and play Halo and bike. And whenever I got frustrated at getting pwned by noobs, (laughs) I would just pedal harder. And so that was my training. And that worked just as well as what I do now. Where now I have a heart rate monitor and a cadence sensor and an electronically controllable trainer. You know, all this crap. But at the end of the day, it's almost the same thing. Yeah, it's really interesting being on a trainer after especially coming from mountain biking because you know a lot of times it's you do that climb and it's hard but then you get to the top and you coast down and so you have a chance to like catch your breath and focus on more of the technical stuff instead of the pedaling and on a trainer you're literally just pedaling the whole time and so it's weird to think about it but like a half hour for me on the trainer I think I put in just about as much effort as I would an hour out on the trail yeah, I've heard it's like a three to one, but I, I think two to one's a little more accurate based on how great I did biking today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today was hard. And if you don't have a trainer right now, 
you can get one nowhere, so I'm sorry about that. Hey, Facebook Marketplace might have one. Yeah, I'll sell you mine for $2,000. Good deal. <laughs> but if if you don't want to, you know, play Halo on your trainer and get pwned by noobs, <laughs> or if you want to attempt to have a social experience, Anthony, is there any way that you can do that? No. Well, I suppose if you had friends, you could use something like Zwift to ride with other people. Um, that actually is what I use. It is a biking video game, basically. And I wish it had more video game features in it. Like? I don't know. It'd be cool to have, like, guns. Anthony! <laughs> no! <laughs> we don't need guns! So, Zwift is a virtual thing where, right now, my laptop has Bluetooth, and so does my heart rate monitor and cadence sensor and trainer. So, everything connects to my computer. I fire up Zwift. It says, hey, look, we found all this crap. And then you control a virtual avatar with your output power and your cadence, and you can ride with other virtual people. And it's really motivating for people who are used to riding around others or who are motivated by people who are better than them. Because you see somebody just up there and you think, oh, I'm going to go get them. I'm going to chase that person down. And so you end up getting kind of a better workout in than if you were just to noobs on Halo. Well, and you can pick, like, it actually kind of shows you the, the virtual scenery that you're going through, right? Yeah, there's multiple different kinds that do that. Zwift has a complete virtual world. Mm -hmm. There are some that actually have real, like, uh, courses, like real world areas. That's cool. Yeah, Ruby does that. I looked at doing that just so I could see, like, the real world and not a bunch of virtual polygon rocks. <laughs> Um, so if you're going through that and you have a smart trainer and you're hooked up, does it change the hardness on your trainer? Yeah. So another cool thing is if you're going up a hill, it will electronically change how hard you have to pedal. So you'll go down a hill and it's super easy. And then you go up a hill and you can like really crank out the watts. Full disclosure here. I have not gotten Zwift yet. I've been meaning to for about a month and I am just so unenthralled with the idea of committing to being on my trainer all winter that I have not gotten to that point yet. Um, so I can't really give a good perspective on Zwift. The first... Um, well, what do you do then? So what I typically do is, like, yesterday when I was on the trainer, I was just watching videos of, um, like, A-Line at Whistler, like, because one of my main goals right now is I want to learn how to jump, and so I'm like, I'm going to watch what that looks like and pretend that I'm jumping and, you know, get no practice in but feel happy about myself. And um I think that's a very good way to do it. Like, mm -hmm. I, I really do. Uh, it costs $15 a month to do Zwift. We don't use it throughout the... I don't use it throughout the summer. I may have forgot to cancel it throughout the summer. <laughs> so they just got a ton of money for, like, nothing. What I did want to say, though, is when we started out, um, we used Trainer Road. At the time, Zwift was definitely more geared towards um, iPhone, and we have Android, and our computers did not have... I don't actually know if it was... Our computers didn't have Bluetooth, but I don't know if they had that set up when we were first looking at no, it. No, I think it's just an Android. I think it's just a phone app. Yeah. So we didn't start out with Zwift, but we found Trainer Road, and that one, it's definitely a different feel. Um, it doesn't show you, you know, you don't have your virtual rocks that Anthony apparently doesn't like. You don't have really the, the friend aspect of it. It will just give you this graph and you do this workout of, you know, it starts out easy and then maybe you do intervals or maybe it's 
it kind of feels like you climb up a mountain and then come back down it, but you don't have that, the visual that goes with it. And I don't think I'd want to do that one now, but the first winter I did it, it was really cool because as you go along, it gives you tips. And so that's when I figured out that I had, I was really bad at keeping my cadence up. It would be like, you need to keep your cadence at, you know, 80. And I was going 35. And so that 35. Oh yeah. I was, Hmm. yeah, I was really bad at, you know, the whole spin your legs thing. And so that really, really forced me to focus on it because it was literally just a graph with a little thing with a person being like, Hey, you can do better at this. It made me get better at it, and then I kind of figured that out, and it's actually something... We have the Wahoo app because we've got the Wahoo uh, trainers. Wahoo! I have a cadence sensor that's on my trainer bike. Thank you, Anthony. Um, And so I kind of just keep an eye on that as I go through, but I don't need someone to be telling me that the whole time, and I don't need to pay $20 a month for someone to tell me to get my cadence up. Um, So I am moderately excited to try Zwift. I'm hoping I like it more than I think I will, but I have a feeling I'm probably going to end up back to watching YouTube videos because that makes me happy. So Zwift also has training stuff like that built into it now. That's cool. I don't know for sure if it did or not to begin with. I'm not sure. Zwift has been around for quite a while, though. I did Trainer Road to start with as well. That was the first kind of uh, connected app that I tried and if you really like Trainer Road, like if you're like, oh man, this app's great, you're probably a psychopath. Yeah, well, if you're really <laughs> motivated by numbers and like, oh, well, I can put out this much power or this is where I started, this is my FDP and I'm going to get it up to this, like you're probably going to love Trainer Road. So my, my point with that is that there's no social aspect to it. It's all numbers. It it really made me start hating biking. Like every time I would get on, it's like, oh, God, I know like I can do that much. I just don't want to. And I'm sure there are people who really like that, but I like the social aspect of like what Swift has. I'm more motivated by seeing someone better than me and saying, I'm going to go get them than just seeing a number and being told that I have to hit this number. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I had trouble in college as well. So this is not new. Yeah. The Oh, I have to turn in homework. Uh, Do I really? And the answer is sometimes no. (laughs) So if you're listening to this and going, I absolutely am not getting on a trainer. I hate that. That sucks. We do have, I guess, one or two other options. And the first one is we actually are just trying it out this winter. We have a fat bike. Yeah, we just bought it. It's a utilitarian vehicle. It probably won't win many races. It's all aluminum and I use it to do trail work, but it also kicks butt in snow. And sand. And sand. So that's something that I just realized could be important in the winter because yesterday the trails were absolutely horrible, mucky, um, and Anthony still wanted to go out for a ride. And so we've got several different shorelines along, you know, different rivers or lakes where you can go out and you can ride in the sand. And guess what? It doesn't matter if you tear it up because it's sand and it's going to get blown back into place the next time that the water's up anyhow. Yeah, it does tend to shred your bike components, though, as I found out yesterday. So that that's a consideration. Mm-hmm. If we ever do get snow, the fat bikes are also very good on that. They open up snow riding in a way that mountain bikes just really don't. They're just a lot more stable. With a five-inch footprint, you get so little 
you know, a pressure on the ground that you can almost just float over stuff. Yeah, it's a lot like, you know, going from walking in tennis shoes to walking on uh, snowshoes. Yeah, it's like driving a monster truck instead of your car. Oh, obviously. Something we can all relate to. Clearly. So one of the other things that, you know, you might not think about is how do you get out and bike is maybe you don't bike. Maybe you cross train. So in typical years, COVID is definitely not helping with this, but we spend a lot of time skiing in the winter. Yeah, that's actually part of the reason we bought the fat bike is this winter we probably won't ski as much, but it is a great workout for your big old thunder thighs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's actually really funny. There was one fall where Anthony had been training a lot and I hadn't been, shocker, and we went skiing and it was like that was the year that all of a sudden I just couldn't keep up with him. And I think it's because he did have all of those leg muscles. So it's definitely something where maybe it's not the exact same muscles, but it does keep you fit throughout the winter. And if you're absolutely hating the idea of going out and biking, then you can ski and do something different. I think there's something to be said for just doing anything in the winter, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be so hard to even get out of bed that the thought of putting on all these clothes and going biking, like, oh, my gosh, I I get that a lot. Yeah. And just going out and doing anything is better than being stuck indoors. So if you can't or if you don't want to do all that, just do something. Yeah, there is. It was a beautiful afternoon last week and all of the trails were, of course, muddy as heck. And I just went out and went for a long walk and was like, okay, well, this is not actually training, but I do not want to get on my road bike or my gravel bike converted to road bike at all. And it was just a nice reminder that you can exercise in ways that maybe aren't exact training. I have to do that because I'm so used to mountain biking that I'll, I forget that I can go road bike and go bike to down to Des Moines and come back and it's a good workout as well. Yeah, I think this winter I really need to find a good place to get to gravel. Um, they paved the closest gravel road to us and so that kind of threw me off a little bit of like, I don't know my access point now, which if I wanted to, I could totally find it, but I think that's something that I need to look into for winter riding. So yeah, I guess to summarize, just remember that cross-terraining exists and different types of biking than what you might want to do exist. Don't be depressed because it's winter, Anthony. Go out and do something. Yeah, Anthony. Yeah. The moral is, winter is terrible for the trails, which means that it's terrible for biking. And don't get demoralized. Go out right on, God, right on the road? Like road biking? You could. Yeah, I guess. Or gravel biking. I know we have a lot of gravel people. That's that's a really good option. And if you don't want to do that, if riding in 30 degree and 50 mile an hour wind doesn't sound fun, use the trainer. Go go for a walk, Jen. Take a hike. Jeesh. And you know what? We'd started this by saying that, oh no, we signed up for an event in February and now we have to train. You know, that might not be that bad of an idea because now we have a reason to train through the winter and we absolutely hate everything. It's like, well, yeah, but if I don't, that's going to suck. And I think that's actually going to help, especially being stuck in the house with COVID still. Like we have a purpose behind our training and that makes it seem more worthwhile. Sign up for stupid races. Screw it. Duh. And there are dumb races in the middle of the summer, even around here. Middle of the winter. And summer. Yes. But middle of winter, yeah. The Burr Ride, where they ride through the cold. The, what is the one down? 
Serum. Serum. Where they yep. ride through the cold. Occasionally, you need ice skates to complete that ride. Last year, they had like one finisher because it had ice the day before. And nobody could, literally nobody could ride their bikes. Was that last year or the year before that? That was last year. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah, that one is not a ride that I have talked myself into wanting to do yet. That's like type two fun in a way that I I am not ready to embrace. There's the Bacon ride where they ride for bacon or something. That's later in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sign up for dumb races. Keep motivated. If you have a dumb race that's coming up this winter, maybe let us know. <laughs> Keep your stick on a of ice. Keep your stick on the ice. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, um, I think that's all that we have for you today. We hope that was a little bit helpful. We would love to hear what you do through the winter to stay motivated, stay fit. You can find us on Instagram at bottom.bracket.biking. And until next time, ride dirt, not mud. Stay motivated. Stay motivated.